So we're going down these steps to the to the beach. There's a smell of fish, overpowering smell of fish almost. There's litter and debris everywhere. Clothes strewn around the place, plastic, drinks, cartons. Getting into a small boat, a small fishing boat, which is probably about 18 feet long. This is a boat used to smuggle migrants from Africa into the EU. But it's from a part of Africa that most of us have never heard of to a part of the EU that most of us have also never heard of. We're travelling along the coast and the coastline is really steep, inhospitable looking land. This is an island called Anjouan. It's in the Indian Ocean off the southeast coast of Africa, over 400 kilometres out from Mozambique. The island, now that we're farther out, looks absolutely spectacular. It's big high mountains. Anjouan's a speck in the ocean. You really have to zoom in on the map to see it, and when you do, you'll see it's part of a cluster of small islands. Okay, the boat is bouncing quite heavily now, and I'm getting a little bit scared. You can probably hear it on the hull. I'm just taking a quick trip around a bay in this little boat, but tonight it'll be crossing the ocean from this island, Anjouan, to its near neighbour in the cluster, over there, just beyond the horizon. That's the island of Mayotte, which is actually part of France. I say near neighbour, but Mayotte is not that close, and certainly not that close if you're going there in a small open boat like this. Mayotte is 70 kilometres away from Anjouan, about the distance from Rosslare to the Welsh coast, say. Imagine that journey in a boat like this. This is ridiculous. You should see the size of this thing. It really is no bigger than a fishing boat you'd see on one of the lakes in Ireland. And the fact that they would go 70 kilometres across open seas and something like this. Not only is the boat journey risky, it's pricey too. The boat owner is beside me in the boat and he charges heftily to take illegal migrants from Anjouan to Mayotte. Naturally, the owner doesn't like me describing him as a trafficker or people smuggler. He says he's a businessman providing an essential service. So what he's saying is what we're doing here is not uh, for pleasure. Life on this island is hell. The other name he doesn't like me using is this. Kwasa Kwasa. That's the nickname given to these boats. Kwasa Kwasa is a really popular African dance with lots of hip swaying. This is a good example of Kwasa Kwasa music from Congo. Calling these boats after the gyrating Kwasa Kwasa rhythm is a neat way of saying that they're unstable on the open water and that they're liable to capsize easily. The boat's owner doesn't like his boats being called Kwasa Kwasas because he says he runs a professional operation. He watches out for bad weather and he puts adults driving the boats. 
Some boat owners use children as drivers, so if they're caught, they can't be charged. But using a child to drive a boat like this 70 kilometres across open ocean is madness. You need a really experienced driver to have a chance of arriving safely on my yacht. For one thing, the trips are taken at night. That's because the French border police are searching the waters between the two islands using helicopters and patrol boats. As well as trying to outrun French patrol boats, the drivers also have to navigate through a rocky reef that surrounds Mayotte. Add to that freak waves and storms on the Indian Ocean which can capsize the boats, and you now know why thousands of people have died over the years making the journey from Anjouan to Mayotte. I imagine if I was unused to the sea or feeling vulnerable if I was a pregnant woman, that this would be quite terrifying. It kind of gives you an idea of how desperate people must be in order to make a trip like this. And yet, despite those deaths, people still pay the Kwasa Kwasa owners. They can't afford to be put off travelling because Anjouan is so poor and Mayotte is wealthy. Mayotte is wealthy because it's part of France and part of the EU. Pretty incredible when you think of it. Ireland being on a western edge of the EU and a southern edge being down here 5,000 miles away in the Indian Ocean. This cluster of islands here used to be a French colony, the Comoros Islands. However, 40 years ago, France gave three of them independence, but hung on to one of them, Mayotte. At the time, it may have made strategic sense for the French to hold on to an island in the Indian Ocean, but now it's the sort of post-colonial mess we're well used to in this part of the world. Mayotte costs France a lot of money in subsidies, and even then, life there for many people is still very tough. But tough or not, people are so badly off here on Anjouan, they're still prepared to risk a journey in a boat like this to get to what they see are better opportunities on Mayotte. It's it's a big wave coming here now. This song is about a young man in Anjouan whose mother is working on Mayotte. She gets sick and he tries to go and visit her. If you live in Anjouan, you can get a visa to visit Mayotte. But you have to pay at least 100 euro for the application and there's no guarantee you'll be granted the visa and if you're not, you don't get the 100 euro back. So people reckon if they take the Kwasa Kwasa boat and God or Allah ensures a safe journey to Mayotte, then it's money well spent. There are other reasons Mayotte is a magnet for people from Anjouan. They go there to get hospital treatment or to get into school. Pregnant women go on the Kwasa Kwasa boats so that their child is born on Mayotte, thereby entitling them to French citizenship and the chance to travel to France. But people from Anjouan also make the boat journey to Mayotte to be with relations. Because even though the French partitioned the islands, the ties between them go back hundreds of years. The same language, the same religion and strong family connections. By the way, in this song, the Kwasa Kwasa boat the young man is travelling in to see his sick mother capsizes. Women and children drown. Après quelques...
The young man himself is caught by border police and deported. Then, back on Anjouan, he hears that his mother has died on Mayotte. We're heading back onto Anjouan, where I'm going to meet a man who'll be travelling to Mayotte in a Kwasa Kwasa, just like this, tonight. One last question for the owner. Do people pray when they're in your boats? He says, yes, it's not a simple journey. You must beg God for a safe passage. I'm being brought through the streets of a town in Anjouan to a safe house to meet the man who'll be going on the Kwasa Kwasa to Mayotte tonight. The town is in a sorry state. I can give you all sorts of statistics about how poor Anjouan is, life expectancy of only 60 years of age, the GDP per person is 800 US dollars per year compared to 60,000 US dollars in Ireland, and on Anjouan, half of all children will die before they get to the age of five. But look at the town, that's one way to represent the poverty. This place, it looks like a war zone. The streets are all torn up, a lot of the houses are rubble or half-finished, and yet they've got people living in them. But I'm sure the people are well used to it. There's litter everywhere. But it looks like an army has just gone through it. The main roads are often washed away and are just muck and rock. And there are women breaking stones by the side of the road. In the old town, where the safe house is, some of the streets are just a bit wider than my shoulders. This is the safe house where the man who's travelling tonight is hiding. His name is Dwamawir. The reason he's in the safe house is because he's afraid that if the local police stop him, they'll take the cash he has on him for the fare to Mayotte on the Kwasa Kwasa boat. Dwamawir is 31. He has a goatee beard. He's wearing knee-length shorts that are brown and dirty a short-sleeved grey shirt and blue flip-flops. Tonight won't be Dwamawir's first trip from Anjouan to Mayotte. I lived on Mayotte illegally for the past 10 years. Then, four months ago, I was stopped on the street by police. And when I didn't have the correct papers, I was deported immediately. I have two boys aged eight and two. I asked to be allowed to say goodbye to my family, but was refused. My eight-year-old was told that his father had been expelled and that was that. So I've borrowed the fare for the Kwasa Kwasa boat from my family and a moneylender. The trip will cost me 200 euros. My yacht has a health service, an education system and hope, none of which are available to me on Anjouan. I'll talk to Dwamawir just before he's about to travel tonight. In the meantime, I go around the town talking to people about taking the journey to Mayotte. They tell me that everyone's extended family has someone in it that died making the crossing. But still, they go, and one important reason is health. There's a hospital just outside this town in Anjouan. It's been built by the Chinese. It has a hundred beds, but hardly any staff, so it's empty. 
Outside his shop, I meet an older man who says he's made the journey to Mayotte several times. This man here is in his 70s and he's saying that he's gone over to Mayotte four times in the past. And he's gone over because of ailments. He had a problem with his knees, he had a problem with his arms, he's had surgery over there. And no, he didn't think it was a risk. The boat trip may be a risk, but once you get on Mayotte, there's a guarantee of help. The hospitals will treat illegal migrants from Anjouan, no questions asked. The French visa system is complicated. If you arrive on Mayotte able-bodied without a proper visa, you'll get deported. But if you arrive sick, you get treated and often will get residency papers. For example, this woman says her teenage son is on Mayotte. He fell from a mango tree on Anjouan and broke his leg. They brought him to Mayotte and not only was he treated by the French system, but he also got papers to allow him to stay on the island. Whatever about the anxiety of those sitting in the boats for three or four hours bobbing across the ocean to Mayotte, it's not easy for their families left behind on Anjouan either. They're there staring at the phone all night, waiting for a call or a text to say that their relations have landed safely on Mayotte. This man describes what happened to one member of his family. He's saying that he has a brother who went to Mayotte in a Kwasakwasa and the, the Kwasakwasa overturned and several people drowned and the brother was thrown into the sea and he said there were four hours in the sea and when the brother rang him, the first phone call he got, the brother said, I'm alive but the boat sank and then the brother t- told him that he was afraid of being eaten by a shark. <laughs> And this young man I met actually drove across a Kwasa boat to Mayotte. He's telling me that he was intercepted by a helicopter and then they were taken to the police station and he denied that he was a driver and then he was slapped quite hard twice by the police officers so then he admitted he was a driver. And so he was sent back to a life here which he says is a life with no hope. He lives with his parents, there's no chance of work. He does little bits and pieces of jobs. In contrast, the life in Mayotte, he says, is an illusion because you're constantly looking over your shoulder and you're living in a constant state of stress, thinking that you're going to be found out. But there are people who have work on Anjouan. We're talking to this young man beside a field of ilang-alang trees. Ilang-alang is a yellow flower with narrow petals, which is used in making perfume. The farmer here says he can make a good living from the flower, but when I ask him about his children, he says none of them work in the business. The local agriculture isn't enough to sustain the population. The French and the EU do pump some subsidies into Anjouan. For example, near the Ilang-Alang field, there's a distillery, not for alcohol, this is an Islamic island. No, the still here is for the Ilang-Alang flowers. Here they're boiled and the essence extracted and sent to France, to Guerlain, the perfume company. So what we're looking at here is two big vats that have flowers poured into them and they're being boiled, there's furnaces underneath. The French government gave a grant of €14,000 to refurbish this still. And then there's a smaller trickle of going at the bottom of the cistern and that's going into... Coca-Cola bottles. It's a far cry from the perfume counter in the big department stores. And apparently a litre of 
this essence on the first pass is worth 250 euro. If you're curious, there are photos of the still and the documentary on one webpage on rte.ie. It's late afternoon in Anjouan. The young men from the town are playing volleyball. On the seats around the volleyball court, a small crowd is gathered to watch. They're also talking about the latest Kwasa Kwasa trips, and it's not good news for Duamuir, the man I spoke to, who's waiting in the safe house nearby. There's a system of spotters with mobile phones on Mayotte who watch what's happening with the French border patrols and text the Kwasa Kwasa owners in Anjouan. I've been told news has just come in that a French patrol boat has been spotted going backwards and forwards, patrolling the seas north of Mayotte. So all of the Kwasa Kwasas have now stopped sailing and they won't be sailing until news comes through that the French patrol boat has stopped patrolling. Then, later that night, news does come through about the French patrol boat. No one says exactly why, but the Kwasa Kwasas are actually going to travel. I go and speak to Dwamuir in the safe house. Although he's done this trip to Mayotte before, he's anxious. I'm nervous about the trip. I've been getting sick, vomiting. Is there anybody telling him not to go? This evening, is his mother and father, are they saying don't go? Does anybody say don't go? Mm. No one is telling me to stay and not to take the risk of travelling. I haven't phoned my wife to say I'm coming to Mayotte. I don't want her to be worrying. When Dwamuir thinks about getting to Mayotte, is there anything in particular he's looking forward to? Seeing my children and taking care of them. The boat won't leave until three o'clock in the morning, so I have a few more hours to stay hiding from the local police. It's almost three o'clock in the morning and I'm looking out over the rooftops and off to my right I'm told just outside the town you can see the lights of Mayotte on the horizon and I'm thinking about Dwamir who's also out there off to the right just outside the town on the seashore and he's about to leave his hiding place to try and evade the local police and get to a Kwasa Kwasa, pay them the money and head over towards Mayotte and again try to evade the French police in order to be reunited with his wife and children. It's now half four in the morning. There are the first beginnings of light behind the clouds on the eastern horizon. By now, all going to plan to Warmoor should have been at sea for about an hour and a half. He should be another hour and a half to two hours before he gets to Mayotte, but that doesn't account for any evasive course that the boat driver may take in order to hide from French patrols.
Either way, Duamor has told us to call his wife this afternoon. And if he's there, then he'll talk to us. If not, if he hasn't arrived, ours may be the first phone call she gets to let her know that Duamor has attempted the crossing and may not have made it. This is a 12-seater plane that flies between Anjouan and Mayotte. So going on this flight is actually cheaper than going on the Kwasa Kwasa illegal fishing boats. This return flight is 265 euro for me. And there's one important reason why I can go on this flight. And that's because in my pocket I have an EU passport. The flight is in daylight, so looking down on the water between Anjouan and Mayotte, you can't see any Kwasa Kwasa boats like the one Duamuir took in the early hours of the morning. But you can see the location of the cruelest trick the smugglers play on the migrants in the Kwasa Kwasa boats. Because near Mayotte is a tiny island called Msambro, Sometimes, the smugglers drop the migrants off here and tell them they've arrived on Mayotte. When daylight comes, the migrants realise what's happened and have to shell out even more money to make the final journey to Mayotte itself. When I land in Mayotte airport, I meet a Frenchman with a garland of flowers. This is Maxime Noiret. He describes himself as having grown up in Ireland. It's with jasmine and other flowers. I don't know the names, but oh, you're very kind. That's fantastic. Tell me about the size of Mayotte. Oh, to drive around, you take about maybe an hour and a half, two hours. Immediately, you can see a difference on Mayotte with Anjouan. The roads are paved, there are streetlights, but there's also a lot more security. Most street-level windows have bars on them. Near the airport, Maxime points out one building in particular. Which is basically the place where they hold uh, refugees before they send them back. And how many are they sending back at any one time, do you know? I think it's 20,000 a year, yeah. It's kind of hard to know how to feel because I know how bad things are over there and I know that some of them actually come here to get medical help. Some of them just want to get a better life. On the other hand, I know that a lot of the insecurity on the island can be caused due to that because they can't get a job, so they rob. If you decide to go to the beach, don't go with your papers or your phone or your money or your passport or whatever. Just go with your swimsuit and bottle of water and that's it. And try not to go on your own if there isn't anybody else on the beach either. Like. Because you can get mugged? You can get mugged. Yeah. You kind of have to be careful with that. Like. When I spoke to Duamuir in the safe house in Anjouan, he told me that he wanted his children to stay on Mayotte so they could get an education in a school like this. If Duamawir's children do get an education here, they could have Maxime as their teacher. OK, good morning, class. Good morning, sir. How are you this morning? I'm 
Maxime was inspired to become a teacher by teachers in Ireland. He came to Ballina, County Mayo, aged 12, with hardly any English. The staff at St Murdoch's College looked after himself and his brother and got them up to speed. He stayed in Ireland until he graduated from NUIG, aged 23. OK, so that's the verb. OK, choose. That's not how you write it. Now, Maxime teaches children of illegal migrants. That's not unusual for teachers in Mayotte, because almost half the people living on the island are illegal. The verb is choose, OK? So, what do you need here? Look at your table. Go back to your table. But these children of illegal migrants here are particularly challenged. For one thing, their native language is an oral language with no written component. So many of them come into secondary school illiterate. How do you say... Also, many of these children are not living with their parents. There are 3,000 abandoned children and teenagers on the island of Mayotte. When people are deported, they often leave their children behind in the care of others so that at least they get an education. How do you say in English savoir? To know. Okay. But this education for the children of illegal migrants is capped. They may go as far as sitting the local version of the Leaving Cert, but because they're illegal, they can't receive their results. And so they can't go on to college or get a job that requires a qualification. Are you ready? Come on. Two more minutes. Two minutes and that's it. That's the education system on Mayotte. The health system on the island is impacted even more by the presence of illegal migrants. When we were passing the main hospital on Mayotte, there was a commotion outside. Just passing the hospital here, there's a strike on. So the strike is because of burnout. The... The staff here say that they're overworked. Nous sommes en grève parce que les conditions de travail à l'hôpital sont insupportables à cause du nombre de patients. This is one of the nurses, Aboud. Plus important par rapport. He's just explained to me that 60% of the patients in the hospital are clandestine. from clandestine, huh? illegal. No papers. Sans papier, no papers. No papers. No papers. And furthermore, he says that in the uh, maternity section, the maternity ward that they, the, number, the percentage is 75%. Exactly. Mayotte is known as one of the perfume isles, a group of islands where vanilla, cloves and ylang-ylang are grown. Despite the exotic name, though, illegal migrants like Duamawir know that the lure of this particular perfume isle is less exotic and more gritty. If Duamawir gets here, he has a chance to earn some money, about 400 euro a month, he says. But prices on Mayotte are a lot higher than Anjouan. It's part of an EU country, France, and it has EU prices, similar to Ireland. Also, on Mayotte, there's more tension on the island. Everyone fears gangs of hungry teenagers, and the illegals also fear police patrols checking identity papers. But Duamuir also knows that living conditions aren't markedly better on Mayotte than on Anjouan. If he does end up making it to Mayotte, he will end up living in a place like this. I'm on the side of a valley. In one side of the valley, there's brick houses. They look lovely. The side of the valley I'm on, the ground is practically all cleared. There's some palm trees, and I'm in a shanty town. The entrance is a, a piece of metal. It's just attached on one side. 
and you let it flat back. The ground is either broken concrete from pre-existing houses, piles of muck, and there are all um, wooden walkways between the corrugated iron houses, which I imagine are necessary during the rains. So the steps up the hill are made of soil-filled car tires placed on top of each other and set back. And uh, I've come here to meet a woman named Karim, and Karim is one of the 75%. The 75% being the number of women in Mayotte hospitals who give birth who are illegal. Karim was 19 and pregnant when she came to Mayotte, and she came so that her new baby would get an education and also the chance of French citizenship. So the situation Karim is explaining here is that under the French law, if the baby is born in the hospital here in Mayotte, which is what happened with Karim's son, when he gets to 13 years of age, he can claim French citizenship, which means that she will also get French citizenship. However, it's going to be very difficult for her to wait 13 years while she's hiding away from the authorities here without papers and trying to get work and all of that. And a fast-track way of getting papers is for somebody to say that the child is his, some man who has French nationality. So what has happened to Karim is that her husband's brother, her brother-in-law, said, come to my yacht, I've got French citizenship, I'll recognise the baby, I'll say he's mine, and you'll get your papers quickly. Unfortunately, she paid the 300 euro. She went on the trip on the Kwasa Kwasa. She frightened the living daylights out of herself. She got here, and the brother-in-law said, nah, he's not my kid, I'm not going to recognise him. Throughout the day, I'm thinking about Duamuir. Did he make it onto Mayotte, or was he picked up by the border patrol, or did the Kwasa Kwasa boat capsize? There's no way of knowing until we ring his wife, and Duamuir said not to call her until the afternoon. The last place Maxime, the schoolteacher, brings me to is a beach beside a tourist resort on Mayotte. This is the part of Mayotte you would see if you came here as a tourist. It's a beach in the southern part of the island. There's a headland at one end of the beach with volcanic rocks on it. The sand is light brown. There's palm trees at the back of the beach and a baobab tree there as well. There's turtles out in the water. The sun is shining. There's a dive shop just behind me. The people have all gone out in the diving boat because just out there to see that you can see the waves breaking just below the horizon. There's a coral reef which surrounds the island and it makes for fantastic diving. And this should be a magnet for tourism. It should be doing as well as the Seychelles and Mauritius, but it's not. And one of the reasons it's not is because this island six years ago became fully part of France. Then the French government gave public servants a 40% tax break to come from mainland France and work on the island. Teachers, medics and police. This led to a surge in economic migrants from France with money to spend, which of course then led to a surge in economic migrants from Anjouan with cheap labour to offer. Mm -hmm. 
The island of Mayotte is bursting at the seams, you're told, with too much pressure on the environment, fresh water and the forests where illegal migrants cut down trees for firewood and for places to live. And everyone talks to you about crime. One story is illustrative. A man told me that he lives out in the country and used to be able to sleep at night with the windows open. His house is in such an airy location. But now, because of burglaries, he has to close his windows and install air conditioning. And all that talk about crime scares the tourists off. It's now the afternoon, 12 hours after Duamurir got the Kwasa Kwasa boat from Anjouan to Mayotte. Time to ring his wife to see if he's arrived safely. It's tense, wondering if she's heard from him. Hello. Hello, alaikum. The man making the call is Faid, an interpreter. Alawa. He has arrived. He's arrived? Yeah. He's, he's in our house? And he, he went to buy phone credit to call us. So I, I told her that we will call her back. But then, when we do call back, there's a hitch. So it's night time in Mayotte, and we rang Dwamora's wife, and she said he hadn't come back from buying phone credit. And she thought that maybe he had gone to buy some fish. So we went down to the fish market, and we couldn't find him. There was nobody around there knew where he was. So he could be just gone AWOL, or he could have been picked up again. It's such a precarious life. While the French border police tried to stop illegal migrants coming from Anjouan by boat using radar, helicopters and patrol boats, if the migrants do land, they're still not OK. The police on Mayotte regularly stop people on the street asking for their identity papers, which means as an illegal migrant on Mayotte, you're always on edge. I came across such an identity check by chance when I walked around the corner on a street in the capital. The police car has stopped and the police are armed and they're looking for papers of two men walking along the street. One is holding a carton of milk. Okay, he's been told he has to get into the car. He lives right nearby and he's sending his friend to go get papers. One of the policemen sees the microphone. If his friend doesn't come back with the correct papers, this man would be taken to the deportation centre and become one of the 20,000 deported from Mayotte every year. So this man's friend arrives back with some documents in a, in a clear plastic envelope. So there's a letter with the French government title on the top and a photograph. They're checking his photograph. Okay. So the cops seem happy. And that's it, it's over. So if you're walking around here with no papers and you see a police car, you run the other way like hell. 
Finally, we make contact with Dwamawir. We've no idea where he disappeared to, although his wife says that he has a drink problem, which may be an explanation. Dwamawir describes the boat journey on the Kwasa Kwasa from Anjouan to Mayotte, some of which he recorded for us. There were 17 people on the boat. Two pregnant women and one little girl aged two. We didn't know each other on the boat, but because we were on the same journey, we prayed together and muttered songs under our breaths. The first part of the journey was okay. The sea was calm, but when we got close to Mayot, to Msambro Island, we were chased by a patrol boat. The driver of our Kwasa Kwasa went really fast, and I was afraid we'd capsize or hit the reef. The driver put us off on Msambro Island. Then we saw a boat. We didn't know if it was a French boat or a fishing boat. It turned out to be a fishing boat and the skipper charged us 200 euros each to take us on to Mayat. When I got home, I gave thanks to Allah for allowing me to see my wife and children again. When my older son saw me, he also thanked Allah because he thought he'd never see his father again. <laughs> Life is difficult both here and on Anjouan. It's more relaxed on Anjouan, but you have no money. Here you have some money, but you're constantly stressed about being picked up by the police. I'm in the airport in Mayotte, about to leave the island and about to finish telling the story of the people coming to Mayotte. And even on the way to the airport, a couple of things have occurred that are notable to this story. I met some British people, and one woman asked me what I was doing here, and I explained I was doing a programme about people who are risking their lives in order to get into the European Union. She said, it's not interesting that we're making such an effort to get out of the European Union. And the last thing I wanted to say to you is that just around the corner from here is probably one of the most bizarre images that illustrates what a hard border there is between here and the non-EU islands. And it's the strangest cemetery I've ever seen. It's a compound on the side of the road, surrounded by palm trees, and it's full of upturned Kwasa Kwasa boats. And these are boats that have been seized by the French frontier police. They're taken to this compound and they're crushed. <laughs> 